Okay, boys and girls, sports fans, it's Dan here. I'm uh, on Skype today with Samir Patel, good old buddy of, uh, of mine, CEO of Kahuna, and you guys have just won a little bit of a gong for the way in which you do your business or something along those lines. Your employees love you or something. Um, <laughs> Samir, tell me what it's about. Yeah, so hey, thanks for having me, Dennis. Um, so we won the, uh, it's a, it's a best 2017 Best Places to Work Award um, by the San Francisco Business Times. So it's a pretty uh, prestigious award um, in the Bay Area. Uh, and obviously, it's very, very focused on tech companies, given you know where we are. Uh, there's a ton of non-tech companies that win as well, but you can imagine all the known suspects were there. Um, and it's and you know for a young company like us, it's uh, it's pretty cool. We were um, uh, you know the other sort of winners were brands you would expect uh, in the larger categories uh, like Workday and Salesforce uh, and SAP uh, were winners as well in their in their own sort of uber big enterprise category. Um, so uh, you know that's it. It just recognizes you know a culture that you build. It's, it's the employees choosing and, and filling out questionnaires. You're not influencing it in any ways. Uh, they they get a bunch of questions and they get to say how they feel about where they work and are they motivated and engaged and driven and on and on. And uh, for a young company like us, we're pretty stoked to be uh, to be on the list. Okay. So how long have you been CEO of that company? Now, what is it? Eight, ten months? A year? Or eight, eight months? Eight, eight months. months. Okay. So in order for you guys to have won that, you must have done something when you walked into that company as a newly minted CEO to say, right, this is the, the culture that I want for this business. I yeah. assume. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's mostly correct in that, that, you know, I've, and I've, I've done this before, even in my last, in my last role, I'm, you know, I think there are, there are active things that you do and 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 declare if you will in terms of how we're going to behave um and then i want to say about 50 percent of it is is just you know it's the it's you do you uh do you walk the walk right um you can you can put these grand plans in place but you know what are the subtle things around you that actually drive um what you do so so yeah we you know it comes with a whole bunch of things one is is um you know just super clarity to the company on 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 where are we going? Why, why is this something that you want to, you could be doing many things in Silicon Valley. Jobs are reasonably easy to get. You know, what is the one thing here that's going to make, you know, that's going to fulfill you far beyond the money and stock and all the other things you talk about in Silicon Valley. So I think that's that everyone does this, Dennis, but it's the, it's the clarity around it and getting people to a place where they feel like, yeah, you know, this is where I want to spend the, uh, you know, the next chapter. Um, I so, think, hang, hang on a minute. Is, is that, yeah. is that mission? Is that what people call mission, or is it, or is it vision, or is it something else? I, I, it's mission's a piece of it, but I feel like you can't stop there, right? I think you have to appeal. So let me back up. Here's here's the one thing that I have, you know, pretty strong feeling about. I, I, I think in most companies, it is it, it, the, the 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 leadership team, whatever you want to call it, you know, sub, subconsciously many times just assumes that you know the engineers won't care about the details in the sense like you know they're they're not they're not they're, they, you know just generally tell them that their job is safe and and there's a place to work here and the people around them are nice and you're good to go and i and i have a huge problem with that uh, every engineer in the building has a 401k plan and is saving money in college tuition for their kids and they read the same cnn that you and i read um, and so, you know, it's really, really important to be able to get into, get down to every engineer's 
uh, you know, to level with them on what is the opportunity, commonsensically, why is this a good idea as a business problem? And I don't believe most companies take the time to do that. They feel like, yeah, well, I got some business people who probably get it, and you know, they they care. Um, I I think that is one of the biggest problems in most of the companies. So there is an there is an innate. You know, it's a, it's much deeper than just mission statement. Mission statement is good; it guides you. It's a guiding light um, when you might veer off the wrong, you know, the wrong direction. But this is, you know, what are we doing? Where's the market? Why do we feel like there's a gap in the market? Um, starting to get, and I don't believe we're fantastic at this. I think we've, I did a really good job with this. I believe at SAP, and I think we're getting to a place now where we're going to get, we're getting better and better at it. But you got to consistently be able to show either progress against a very clear plan, or hey, we changed, you know, we're going to turn slightly left. Like six months ago, it seemed like it was good to go straight. Just that honesty, right, mm-hmm. that comes from it, um, uh, goes a long way. So if you earn, you earn the, you know, you just earn the respect of, of the employee. So I think there's a bunch of other things, but I think on the, in terms of like, where are we going, um, you have to be able to have a business discussion with every single employee in that sense and appeal to those very people who, Usually we try to sort of belittle in some ways, right? And say, hey, you know, your paycheck's going to come. Like, we've got money in the bank. No, like, don't disrespect them. So I I found that that's something that most companies just sort of do the bare minimum. That's kind of that one bucket. Right, Right. okay. So so transparency presumably plays a big role here as well, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so I think I think transparency actually does, and it manifests itself in many ways. And I'll tell you some of the things that we do, right? So, you know, we moved into a new office a couple of months after I joined, and yeah, uh, I saw that. I thought this yeah, looks really cool. It's awesome, and here's the crazy thing: it's it's a warehouse that we took. Yeah, right? it's a warehouse yeah. that we took, and exposed ceilings and wirings and 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 all that. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've turned it into something that is, you know, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and and gorgeous in a way where I had two objectives for the for the designers. Right, I was like, on one hand, when a customer, a brand, a CMO, or head of marketing, or campaign manager from a B two C brand who's our prospect or customer walks in, mm-hmm. they have to feel like this has to ooze digital. You know, they have to feel like this is a place where they get where we're sort of going in the future. One hand. Secondly, every employee in walking in there needs to feel and be sure that the architecture of the place makes them feel like we have not made it yet. There has to be a feel of hunger in it. It can't be completely polished and done in, and anointed in the way that it's designed. And if you walk in, um, um, you see that. You see, you see the sort of the edginess to it, but you look up and you're like, oh my God, like we didn't have money to really cover the ceilings. Yeah, we did. Like we're going to, we have better places to spend our money right now and we're going to earn our way into that. So I think there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's that, but I do believe that, you know, so one of the things on the office design um, is uh, where I did splurge, frankly, compared to the rest of what we did was we did spend extra money on, on, you know, having glass conference rooms. So we did two things. One is, is we have, 20% 20% less conference rooms than we knew we would need in the office, and that was intentional. That forces people, when they go into meetings, to truly you know, think hard about, is this meeting actually private? Mm. Or is it that I just need a corner where if I keep it in the open and I work in the open, um, I will foster ideas. You have no idea how many times someone will walk by and say, hey, I, I just heard you guys talking about that. I dealt with this. And you start to really, really sort of consciously think, 
do I need to shut the door? Right. And sometimes you do. And sometimes you do. There's no question. But it's amazing. People complain in the first three months, right? Um, but now they're like, yeah, I mean, I just, we need a corner and a couch and a whiteboard. We've painted the walls with the, you know, the, 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 the whiteboard paint. Um, so people can just sort of turn around and start to draw. So I think, I think that that's another, there's a lot of subtle things you can do around transparency. So that's one. Um, we, we paid extra money for glass conference rooms again, so that even if you shut the door, the boardroom, our, our official boardroom where we, where we would have board meetings with our board members and investors is also a glass office, right? Okay. Um, and so, you know, you, there are times when you need to be private, but you, you start to just foster it. Like we're not hiding anything from you and, and, and we're going to be open about it and we're going to share the bad news. And when someone leaves, when explain to you why it happened, then, you know, you can, you can, um, you can start, you, you start to really build a culture of trust. The last thing that, that I think on the, on that front too is, is, you know, I, I have, I have an office, I, which I use mostly only if I have to have a one-to-one -one meeting, but you know, I, I bounce every couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll I'll grab a different desk every couple of weeks. You know, so I was in, I was with the sales team until I want to say ten days ago, and I've moved into engineering now. And you 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 bounce around, um, and again that just <clears throat> that just fosters a different kind of relationship. So, um, uh oh, who's Samir going to drop on next week? Yeah, and they give me a ton of shit for it, right? They're like, you know, you know, I, I got a, I got hazed by the engineering team. They're like, really? you better check it. If you can, yeah, you better check in code if you want to sit here, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the uh, Dennis, you know, I think this is where I just uh, you 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 have to breed this stuff and truly believe it because it has to manifest itself in what you do between meetings and between conversations and every day when you walk into the kitchen and and there's right. that that's a different way of, of working than you know, just sort of big statements, right? So I, I think that's that's kind of one category of how the office space and how you actually physically work in the building yeah. that can make a big, uh, make a difference, right? So that's kind of the other bucket. Um, I think the other thing too, which I feel super strongly about is, you know, I, I, I tell the best of our employees, right? That, you know, I can guarantee you, I know you love your work. You're awesome at it. You do really, really well. You're going to crush it by the end of the year. But I guarantee you there's a really high risk that when the year ends and you're home for Christmas or the holidays with your family and you've had a fantastic year, there's going to be an emptiness in you, you know, for the high performers. And that emptiness is going to come from what did I do to truly, did I, did I truly just do more of last year and do it better? Or did I actually stretch myself in some way that either makes me better at what I do or lets me go slightly left or slightly right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm a huge fan of sort of, you know, instituting these, these big cross-functional projects mm -hmm. where you give someone some, you know, they're, they're, they're from a department or a, or a role, but they've, they've, they've expressed um, interest in stretching themselves to learn how to work cross-functionally as they're working through their their uh, their professional development, and there's an ownership of you know I may be fantastic at um, at sales or I may be fantastic at database architectures, but someone pulled me out there and said become part of this other process, right? So you know we we're doing something around what we call customer centricity at Kahuna right now which is as we've built the company, as we're growing really, really fast, 
one day you wake up and you realize that, you know, are we working in silos where this person who onboards a customer does the job and then hands it off to somebody else who does the next piece and you kind of start to look like an assembly line without even trying mm. versus saying you're not truly putting the customer in the center of the process and it isn't about, you know, neatly handing over the next function. So how do we move from that to like a SWAT team approach, a customer signs that going to go live? How does one person from every department literally descend on that customer for a couple of hours, decide what needs to be done to get them up and running, and then disband? You know, so, so, you, so what you're looking at here is, I, I think what I'm hearing from you here, Samir, and, and it's something that um, our good friend Vinny wrote about a number of years ago, and that is that we mm. need to be polymaths. We need to. Yeah. We, we need to. Yeah, we do. We need to yeah. be multi-skilled. We need to be in constant yeah. education. We need to be Absolutely. always yeah. moving forward in some way or other, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I didn't, I didn't connect those dots, and I read the book, obviously, but, um, uh, but I think, I, yeah, I think he, you know, that's the name to this, right? I, uh, and you know, we have, you know, someone in operations on our team, really young, energetic, you know, guy who. Uh, he he comes from a supply chain background, and he's he's working in an ops group, and we're you know we're we're firing up an instance of Salesforce right now, and he wanted to take that project and and be the guy who brings that. He's not done front office stuff, mm-hmm. and by virtue of that, he's learned so much about the sales process. He's an ops guy. He's he's learned whether he would like to one day not do supply chain ops, but Salesforce. I mean, uh, uh, sales ops. Right. Great, right? Or you learned what you never want to do ever again. That's okay too. But I just, I've always worried and maybe I'm just channeling myself, right? Like, you know, every year if I don't feel like I've kind of stretched myself in that direction, even though I may have crushed my goals that were set out for me, there's a bit of emptiness. And I think it's, it, it kind of goes to, it kind of goes to the next point, which is, um, you know, you, when you look at, uh, I'm, this is a, this is a tough one, but I, I also think that you know, if you make a decision that you want to build a culture that that will appeal to high performers, mm-hmm. you can't be tentative about that. You can't have a culture that is like you know, sort of attuned, you know, the, it, it works for a high performer, it works for a not so high performer. Like you, you, you can't, you have to make that call and say that if you're going to go and you want to hire and nurture and celebrate a bunch of resources, you know, they, you're going to have to, they're going to have to set the pace and it, and, and then sometimes it exposes people who can't, who can't run at that pace right. or it, or exposes, it exposes someone who says, I don't want to run at that pace. That's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't try to please everybody. Right. Because you will, you know, you know, at some point it will be evident as to who's carrying their weight and who's not. Right. So you've got to constantly work on this. This isn't a, you're not trying to call people out here. You're just trying to say, look, this is the pace at which I ha- I, I owe it to the high performers. Or gonna- you end, or you end up, or you end up running a mediocre business. Yeah, yeah, you because you then anyway. go to the bottom line, right? You don't you don't go to the to the top line. You go to the bottom line. Yeah, I actually, think <clears throat> I think I think it's more dangerous than that because I think I don't think that exists. Like you, you can't, you know, you you you. You will lose the uh, the high performers. Of course, absolutely. Right? right? So you lose them and you start to sort of, you know, you start to average down. You can't, you can't please both design models in that. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, I think um, you got to think about, you know, when you're thinking high performing organization, you got to think all these things. You got to think that level of radical transparency, mm. honesty, really. I think I prefer honesty than transparency because I think sometimes the word transparency is a bit hokey. You know, can you show every single thing about every single thing as a leader to everybody? No, you can't. Right. I just think being honest about what you can talk about and what you can't. I, I've said openly in all hands meetings, they're like, can you share that deck? I'm like, I can't. And they're cool with it. Like, I just kind of yeah. let's just, you know, let's just understand where we are. So I think that's one. I think um, uh, I think in the context of getting high performers to really function, this notion of, you know, polymaths is super, super important because all of them are trying. I mean, it's funny, right? Like we, you know, um, you know, we had a we had a really good Q1, and I was thinking through this. You know, uh, we if you looked at sort of the bottoms up model of what we should have done in Q1 from a number standpoint, it was about you know 60 odd percent of what we ended up doing, right? So we did better by 40 percent. And I was telling some of the folks on the sales team, you know, it's like if we had made that number that was 40, 60% of what we ended up doing, what you proved at that point is you are accountable to Kahuna. If you went from 60 to the 100 that we ended up doing, that only proves one thing, that you're accountable to yourself. Mm. You won't get to 100% off, you won't get 40% more if it's all about Kahuna. You, you are coming to work every day competing with yourself. That's who you're competing with if you can get to that level. Mm. You know, get to that 60%. That was what finance said is the bottoms up number. And the laws of, you know, financial physics, and that's my new term here, you know, dictate that you cannot do more than 60%. That's what the, you know, that is, that is, you are breaking every law of financial physics if you do more than 60%. And I was like, the only way you do that is you are competing with yourself every day. It, it you know, it, 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 uh, it and, and, and I try to think of like, I don't, you know, I, I'm trying to get to a place where we can have a similar answer. It's easier in sales, right? Did you make your number or not make your number? It's kind of very number centric. Um, but how do we apply that everywhere else? So it's a journey. I don't, I, 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 I'm paranoid about this to a point where I'm almost never happy with, you know, what we're doing, but that's healthy in some sadistic way, I guess. <laughs> Hmm, Samir the Sadistic, eh? Um, not sure I buy that, eh? Yeah. Anyway, look, um, 30 seconds. What's the very last thing that people need to know about what's going on? Um, ooh, 30 seconds, give me the last thing. Uh, let's see. Um, I, so I think the last thing I will say, again, is um, uh, adding bursts of intensity to how you work. That is the last thing I would add to this whole thing. Can you get people out of their rut every day and say, we got the rest of the day to do something that would take a week and get the blood flowing? You got to keep doing that on a regular basis, right? I would add, I would add that. So I think with all of these things, again, it's a journey. I think most of, you know, customer culture, all that stuff is, 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 is frankly uh, about getting people to the right average. I'm saying break those rules. Don't get to the average. Use your racehorses to set the pace car. And, and keep working every day to get the whole company up there versus trying to find your equilibrium. I think that's hokey. You can't, equilibrium is mediocrity, it is mediocre. Try to, try, to, try to set the pace car with the racehorses. Okay, Samir, great talking to you. That's a wrap, folks.